0: Our Gospel this morning is from Matthew, the ninth chapter, and into the 10th chapter, even a little bit. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And then Jesus summoned his twelve disciples, and he gave them authority over unclean spirits, to cast them out and to cure every disease and every sickness. These are the names of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, also known as Peter, and his brother, Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother, John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Cananean, and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, Proclaim the good news, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You have received without payment, give without payment. The Gospel of the Lord. Some of you know, and several of you have asked me, about my time in downtown Indianapolis the last couple of weekends, participating in the peaceful protests for racial justice that have been such a large part of our nation's life since George Floyd was murdered in Minneapolis a few weeks ago. Some of what I witnessed at those peaceful protests was new to me in so many ways and surprising and I think worth sharing. I saw a lot of signs, of course, and heard all the chants. Maybe you've seen and heard some of those, too. Some so clever they were funny, and some so full of rage that they were unsettling, too. I saw people carrying gallons of milk on a hot summer day, and I didn't realize at first that that was in case they needed it to wash away the pepper spray or the tear gas that are distinct possibilities and common occurrences when the sun goes down on a peaceful protest, as you have heard. I saw white civilians dressed in camouflage with automatic weapons strapped across their chests. I was wearing my funny shirt with the clerical collar, which makes many people assume I'm a priest. One guy said to me, you don't see many Catholic priests at these things, Father. I said, I'm a Lutheran. And he said, that makes more sense. I don't know what he meant, but I took it as a compliment. I saw police officers doing their job, minding the crowd, even greeting and talking with protesters. I went out of my way to acknowledge them a time or two and they returned the favor. I can't imagine the fortitude and the sense of vocation it takes for the good ones to be doing their job these days. I saw one white man trying to instigate a group of black protesters, throwing water bottles back and forth, trading insults and calling them a bunch of N-words. I watched organizers pass around Sharpie markers and share the phone number we were instructed to write on our bodies in two different places in case we got arrested and needed to be bailed out if things got ugly or went sideways. I was even ritually smudged with sage smoke from another protester who was performing the ritual as an offering of protection and cleansing for those who had gathered. So when I read this morning's gospel, that when Jesus looked at the crowds back in Galilee, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, I thought about the crowds that gather for protests like the ones taking place these days all around our country and all around the world, harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And I'm not sure why it's happening now. I'm not sure why these particular deaths, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Dejon Reed and Ahmaud Arbery, I mean, I'm not sure why these have sparked an outrage, if not a revolution, that the deaths of Trayvon Martin and Tamir Rice and Philando Castile and Eric Garner and Sandra Bland and Michael Brown, Freddie Gray, Laquan McDonald, Botham Jean, Natasha Harlan's, Amadou Diallo, and Emmett Till even weren't able to instigate. I'm not sure what's different this time around and after so many years. And sadly, I'm not at all convinced that the change so many of us long for is really going to come as soon or as fully as we would like. But people of color, especially black and indigenous people in this country are telling us and they have been telling us for generations that they indeed feel and have felt harassed and helpless for so long in so many ways. And as followers of Jesus, we are called to be moved like Jesus was with compassion for them. And the hard holy news today is that immediately after his compassion is stirred, Jesus calls upon his disciples to do something about it, acknowledging that the harvest is plentiful but that the laborers are few. There was, there is, there always will be so much work to do. And too often, not as many people are willing or able or inspired enough to do the heavy lifting. But for those who are ready and willing, Jesus gives the authority to do some amazing things, to cast out demons and to cure every disease and every sickness. And I would contend that the demons and the dis-ease and the sicknesses that need casting out and curing in this day and age still include, but are not limited to the likes of prejudice and bigotry and white supremacy, and racism. And yes, I'm talking about George Floyd, and Breonna Taylor, and Ahmaud Arbery, and the many others on that list. But I'm talking about things closer to home, too. Like the fact that within the last three years in New Palestine, a black boy at one of our schools was told to go drink from another drinking fountain or the fact that my children and many of yours have never had a black teacher. Neither did I, for that matter. In 20 years of public school, undergraduate university, and seminary education did I ever have one single solitary black teacher or professor. That is what systemic racism looks like. And I'm talking about the fact that zero black people call Cross of Grace Lutheran Church their home. And that one member of our congregation told me once, not long ago, standing in our narthex without shame, that he called the cops on a young black man driving through his neighborhood because he, quote, clearly didn't belong there. and as terrifying, and as disgusting, and as frustrating, and as embarrassing as those examples are to share, I find some hope for all of this in today's gospel because of what we heard in last week's gospel. See, I listened differently last week when the bishop read that little bitty from um, the end of Matthew chapter 28, when Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Go, all the nations, everything that I've commanded you, always and to the end of the age. But at times like this, I am overwhelmed by the scope of that. I have to admit, what we call our Great Commission is overwhelming and daunting. It's so much more than I feel ready for or capable of on a lot of days, to be honest. But I am reminded to be relieved this morning by what we hear earlier in Matthew's Gospel, chapters 9 and 10, where Jesus, in the midst of traveling around his own little neck of the woods in Galilee, calls his disciples together to set them about their mission in the world. Because when Jesus sends the disciples to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, as he says it today, he's sending them to share the message and the story and the hard, holy, good news of it all with the Jews, with their own people, people they know, people they love, perhaps, people they could at least relate to and have common ground with in the world. Gather with the ones you know, he seems to be saying. Keep it in the family for now. Talk to your own people, your friends, your family, folks from your own synagogue, in your own neighborhoods, from your own cities and villages and towns. We'll get to the nations later, like somewhere in chapter 28. And I don't mean for this to be a cop-out. This is not a sneaky way to suggest we not reach out to people who are different from us. This isn't me or Jesus saying God's good news is just for people who sound and smell or live and look like me. I'm in no way suggesting we limit the scope of our outreach to what is familiar and comfortable and close to home. I'm acknowledging that all of that matters for sure, but that maybe our first steps these days still, however small, are meant to lead somewhere more down the road because the story we're sharing is one of good news and hope and grace for all people. The gospel we're called to tell about is a gospel meant for the nations, for sure. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. There is no denying that. But when it comes to casting out and curing the sins and the sickness of racism and white supremacy and prejudice and bigotry, This is white people's work. We need to get our own house in order before we can reach the nations as God intends. This work is for you and for me to do for ourselves, with each other, and for the sake of the world. This work is for those of us, myself included, who are blind to and who benefit so much from the systems of inequality that run the world around us. And I know there are plenty who wish I would get off of this soapbox. Some of you had told me as much. And I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry about that anymore. There's a difference between a soapbox and a pulpit, after all. And when I stop collecting examples of blatant racism and bigotry from my own everyday life and from the lives of my children and yours, in this community, and in this congregation and from the church at large, I might feel compelled to slow my roll on this a bit. But the harvest is plentiful, people. There is so much work to be done. And please hear me when I say I'm learning along the way myself in more ways than I wish I still had to learn in all of this which is where I'd like to invite you to join me today and in the days ahead. Several of you have been a part of race relation dialogue circles that we've hosted around Cross of Grace for the last few years. I'm more than a little proud to say it didn't take a televised lynching to inspire that work for our congregation, but I would like to broaden the scope of those conversations and of that learning sooner rather than later in light of current events. So in the next couple of weeks, I'll be inviting us all to read some books, to watch some documentaries, to listen to some podcasts, and of course, to have some conversation and prayer about how we might respond to Jesus' invitation to love one another, to cast out the evil of racism to cure the sickness of bigotry, to heal the dis-ease of injustice that plagues our black and brown sisters and brothers and should therefore feel like a plague upon us just the same. And just like those first disciples were sent first to their friends, to their families, to their neighbors with the work Jesus called them to, I hope, I'm praying we will start with what and who we know first. Let's start in our own kitchens. Let's begin in our living rooms. Let's start something in your son's car or your daughter's bedroom. Begin at your own front door, at your office, on your neighbor's porch. There are people all around us, acquaintances and the best of friends, who have something to learn from and to teach each of us in all of this. That's what this morning's gospel is about for me this time around. Doing the work of the gospel For and with my neighbors, my family, my friends, our congregation. Nothing more and nothing less, certainly. Today, Jesus is not sending us to the nations just yet. Today, Jesus is calling us to each other, to those we know and to those who know us. Baby steps, he might be saying, if that's what it takes to begin. Share a little bit of yourself. Share a little bit about whatever you know or need to learn with the people close to you, and let's just see if finally, 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 where the work of ending racism in our midst is concerned, the good news of great joy and justice and grace for all people will change the world as God intends. Amen.